Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed. I am joined by Mary Meyer, horticultural science faculty member and extension horticulturist. And we're, <laughs> it's a lawn and garden show. Where we're both talking about how we are uh, fighting allergies. <laughs> yes, uh, trees are blooming. Yeah, they are. You can tell. But Mary, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming in Great again. Great to be here, helping our our listeners out. We already have callers. We already have uh, have texters, and uh, let let's give that website right away because it's such, you know, whether it's during the winter and we love good reading, or not. But that that website from the U of M is right. Ex- excellent. Yes, our extension website is extension.umn.edu. You can search for Yard and Garden, or you can put in backslash YG News, and that will take you directly to the uh, Yard and Garden News, where we're writing articles all the time. Jeff Hahn wrote the newest article, and that is about uh, treatment of Japanese beetles, which you really should not do right now. Oh, okay. So, uh, but people, we will probably have calls today on Japanese beetles. And uh, the grubs that grow in the ground, the immature form of the beetle, um, the time to treat that is late June, around the 4th of July, actually. But um, there's there's great information. Jeff has done a lot of research and work on Japanese beetles, which are very troublesome for us. They're not as bad as the emerald ash borer. But there are many insects, and uh, if you have any questions about uh, insects, uh, any plants, uh, extension.umn.edu backslash YG News or just search for Yard and Garden. You'll find it. You'll find it. I know Jeff has helped our listeners out and, and, and here at CCO for many years. Yes. Uh, and and the, the big thing with insects is what insect is it? So yeah. identification of your insect is critical. We have a lot of pictures online at the website and Great resource for helping folks. Excellent. Well, you have a resource right here in the studio. If you have a lawn or garden question for Mary, call it in or text it in 651-989-9226. Text number in the meantime is 81807. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Catherine is calling from uh, Blaine this morning. Hath, uh, Catherine, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Just fantastic. It's a beautiful day. It is. Uh, Yes. Uh, Mary, I would like to ask Mary a question about uh, clematis. I have, uh, it's on the east side and it's shady. Will clematis work well on the east side or or will it not? 
Well, if you get some sunshine, you'll be okay. Um, the Clematis does like full sun, especially to flower, but it will take a little bit of shade. But I would say mm-hmm. that you, you need at least half a day of sun. So it's hard to tell. Uh, the east side usually is partial uh, sun. So um, it's, it's hard to say. Full sun is better, but at least half a day. I got to ask you about this that that particular plant because we, uh, yes because we uh, Mike Lynch uh, pronounced it a different way and I looked up and it looks like there are two ways of <laughs> pronouncing say. it depending <laughs> on what part of the country you're have you heard yes, that yes this is very true it's so true and um, the Brits uh, in England will pronounce plants so differently than ours that I will think oh my gosh here's a plant I never heard of and then I'll realize they're just putting so much emphasis on a different yeah. syllable that I couldn't understand the yeah. plant <laughs> so the, for the, the the listener who was sending Mike a text saying you're pronouncing it wrong not necessarily right? not necessarily right it's what what you're used to and so um, right I, I um, either, either of those is fine yeah. with All right. Right. I want to clear that up all right, let's go to Tom, who's calling in from Anoka, I believe. Tom, uh, you're on CCO with Mary. Two questions, if I may. Mm-hmm. What can one expect from dormant seeding last fall, and is it too late to spray for dandelions and broadleaf grasses? So what can you expect from dormant seeding? Hopefully uh, germination. If you put the seed down, and this is usually done for lawn seed uh, right. seeding, if you put the seed down and uh, late in the winter, November even, uh, it should not have germinated. And so it will be germinating now. But uh, the soil is still cool. And um, this is a perfect time for pre-emergent crabgrass killer because it hasn't germinated yet for most of the Twin Cities. So n- your seed will not have germinated yet. But, of course... If you're dormant seeding, don't put down pre-emergent yeah. crabgrass killer because that will kill the seed. Yeah. So I, I in a, in a few weeks you should see it. Um, so just uh, be patient be with patient. that. Uh, his second question was, oh, uh, treating the broadleaf uh, uh, weeds in your lawn. Yes, this is a good time to treat broadleaf weeds. Okay, very good. Thank you, Tom. Let's see who's next. Judy is calling in from Bloomington this morning. Uh, Judy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi. How can we help you? Um, my neighbor has planted ornamental grass on his border, his property border, and um, it, it spreads into my lawn, and I happen to have a garden there, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what kind of barrier I can put in uh, because it grows really tall, and then the seeds blow into my yard, and it's difficult to cut. It's difficult to pull the roots out, and it's interfering with my raspberries, my flowers, so I would, uh, I'd really consider talking uh, to your neighbor. I'm not sure what grass you have, but um, most of the ornamental grasses are bunch grasses, and they don't have invasive rhizomes. But the way you're talking, it seems like this one does. There, there's some ribbon grass. Uh, there's blue lime grass. Those both have invasive rhizomes, and. Um, it's difficult. You need uh, uh, some type of a barrier. Actually, the barriers that work best on those plants are sidewalk or pavement. So obviously, I don't think that's a choice for you. But I would talk to your neighbor about this. He may be or she may be completely unaware of the issue with your garden. 
So um, hopefully you could resolve that and at least bring awareness to them of uh, your concern and what it's doing in your property. All right, Judy, thank you for the call. 651-989-9226 or send a text. We have a bunch of those, 81807. Mary, you can help me with this now. Uh, Any tips on preventing Rudbeckia? Rudbeckia. Rudbeckia. Well, she's got another Latin name here, from taking over the perennial garden. Okay, I think that's Rudbeckia trilobe. That's that you got it. Yeah, so that's three <laughs> lobes in the leaf. That's a fairly aggressive, actually a native wildflower, but it does have a huge uh, root system, and um, you should really only should plant that in an area where you can let it expand. It can be quite aggressive, and it grows early. It's already up and growing now uh, this time of year. So I would say you you've got to dig that out if it's if it's too aggressive where you are um see if there aren't some neighbors or other folks that you can share that with but um yeah you don't need a lot of that in a garden it's quite aggressive. Uh Texter says I live in Malacca is it safe to put on hanging pots deck flowers overnight? Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I I you know for the cities now it I think that it is. I think given the week this, this next week's forecast that we have for the cities, I don't think it's going to be much below uh, 40. But uh, you might want to wait another week or 10 days when you get up to zone 3. Uh, we have a lot of great gardeners in northern Minnesota. I have utmost respect for you. We we have uh, really lost our patience this time of year uh, in zone 4 gardening, but zone 3 has got to hang on usually till Memorial Day to uh, – to get out of the frost or in the 30s or below 40s, which is still cool for our tropicals. A texture, and I know we have to break quickly, a texture says, are there tulips that last forever? Do you have a name of a type of tulip that lasts forever? Yes, the species tulips will last forever. and They're the ones with the hardest names, so it's oh. kind of difficult. <laughs> but uh, tulip gregori, tulip cough mania, and... Um, uh, Clausiana. So those species tulips will last a long time. Gregory is one of my favorites. It self-seeds in my uh, garden and mm. uh, increases in flowering. So the big Darwin hybrid, hybrid tulips are just a couple of years in length, but the species tulips often can't find those in garden centers. You have to go to the mail order catalogs. Oh, interesting. All right. Hang on, Mary. We'll take a quick break here. Invite our listeners to call in their lawn and garden questions or send a text if you prefer. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Extension. And, you know, you and I, we always like to talk about the Arboretum because it's such a great a great place to visit any time of the year, really. Yes, any time, any time of the year, but it's really uh, beautiful right now. Um, the tulip display uh, is just starting. It's really beautiful. I, I talked to someone yesterday who said, I was out there. It must be the peak for tulips. And I said, well, I don't really think it's the peak yet because it's just started. But that's how bright the color wow. was. So the color theme this year are uh, the big primary colors, which are red, yellow, uh, gold, and so on. And those are the big bright colors. So uh, it's, the tulips really are just starting. Uh, the crab apples have not started yet. And we have started the big build, 
which if our visitors remember years ago, we had the Ufta Palace. <laughs> the Ufta, the Ufta, Ufta Palace. <laughs> this is a huge build from willow and, and um, dogwood, mostly willow, though, that are cut. And so it's, it looks like this big whirlwind, but it's in the process of being built now. Patrick Doherty is building another big uh, structure on, um, on the Arboretum grounds. You can watch that go up. But uh, take a walk. Oh, the plant sale. The plant oh, sale. Oh, that's right. Yes. Today and tomorrow. Now, the plant sale is at the, the Red Barn. We've always had the plant sale right by the picnic shelter on the main building. But it is at the Red Barn. So instead of going in the main entrance to the Arboretum, you go south at 41, take a right on 82nd Street. And that will take you up with the signs to the Red Barn Farm where the plant sale is today and tomorrow, the auxiliary plant sale where you can get University of Minnesota introductions, mm. many great uh, native plants, wildflowers. So that's today and tomorrow. But if you miss the Arboretum sale this weekend, next weekend, the master gardeners throughout the cities here are having many plant sales. That's right. next weekend. Next weekend is Hennepin County, Washington counties. Uh, so lots of lots of plant sales going on. So this is the time of year to buy new plants. Very good. Most fun. Should have a nice weekend too. Especially, yes. you know, if Mother's Day tomorrow. Yes, Mother's Day tomorrow. Bring mom out to uh, the Arboretum. Uh, go to the Arboretum, take a walk, see the flowers. I think the brunch is sold out at the Arboretum, mm. but lots of people do that. But still great fun. You can go to the uh, plant sale, buy some peonies for your mother, sure. buy other plants. But, yeah, just walking around the Arboretum. We have a new walk at the Arboretum. You know, we've always had the three-mile drive mm-hmm. to drive around. Now we have a walk that goes the whole way around. It kind of parallels three-mile drive, but then some places it's longer. But it, uh, we're just putting the new markers on it for walking. It is not quite three miles. I would say it's closer maybe two, but you can get on and off at many different places, and it's a great way to walk with no interference from cars. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. That's good. That's great. All right. Get to the Arboretum. All right, you can call Mary with your lawn and garden question today or send a text if you like. We have a bunch of both, Mary, so let's uh, let's get to it. I think Richard is calling from Wasika, I do believe. Richard, you're on with Mary. Hi, Mary. This is Richard from Wasika. I have a magnolia bush that is just done blooming, and I understand that those have to be pruned shortly after the... Uh, um, the after they bloom, is that correct? Well, uh, right after they bloom is the best time to to prune, so that you don't interfere with uh, losing any flowers for next year. But you don't have to prune it unless you're unhappy with the appearance of it. Uh, you could take out any dead branches, any that are crossing and uh, rubbing and causing uh, issues, but you don't have to prune it. But if you do prune it right now, when it's finished flowering, is the ideal time. All right, very good. Thanks, Richard. Uh, a texter said this, and I know we had a call a similar. Uh, this is another clematis question. They want to transplant to a sunnier spot in the yard. Do you have any suggestions on when and how? To do that. Yeah, I would do that right now. Okay. Um, early spring will give it a, a long time to reestablish. Uh, dig the hole where you're going to put it in before you begin to actually dig the clematis. 
just make sure you've got it uh, big enough. Then dig as much as possible around the root system. Disturb the roots as little as possible. And then, um, yeah, move it. Try to keep it the same depth at which it was, not higher and not lower. Okay. How far from the house to plant strawberry hydrangea tree? Anything special for care? Strawberry hydrangea tree. Uh, how far from the house? So uh, some of the, uh, this is probably a paniculata hydrangea, can get to be 10 feet. So I would say uh, 10 feet. Yeah. How okay. about that? All that's, right. a, that's kind of, I'm not exactly sure which one that is. But um, this is not a huge plant as far as the root system goes for disturbing your foundation or anything like that. But uh, if you move it a little bit away from the house, you'll probably have uh, more chance to get more sun for it. All right. Quick break, Mary, and then we'll have another half hour of the show to go. So don't go away. Call Mary or text Mary on our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show on CCO. We're around every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour. Then along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, helping you out today by phone and by text as usual. And as usual, Mary, a bunch of both for sure. Good. All right. Uh, let's see who's been waiting. It would be first Terry uh, calling from uh, Rockford, I believe. Terry, you're on with Mary. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Say the rabbits have eaten the bark off my magnolia tree about halfway up because the snow was so tall. And also my three hawthorn trees. The hawthorn trees have tiny buds on where it hasn't been eaten, and so does the magnolia. Is there anything I can do to, um, you know, help with the bare branches that the rabbits have eaten? Well, unfortunately, Terry, there's not a lot you can do at this point. Um, Hopefully, they didn't eat the whole circumference around the trees and that some of the tree will still be alive. You'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens and what, how much of the trees are able to leaf out and how well they do. Uh, this, is a, this, this year we're going to see a lot of, tree, a lot of uh, plants damaged from rabbits. Uh, rabbits could uh, eat at a different height this winter because of the amount of snow we had. So the damage is going to be higher up. Uh, as well as low, and um, I'm just waiting to see how, how I have many plants that got damaged with this also. Mm. Wow. So we'll have to wait and see. Maybe can prune prune out the dead ones. The plant will be okay. If um, if it's more dead than alive, we're just going to be replacing plants. Okay. Some Thanks. plants will come back from the base, though. Oh, okay. But yeah, so we so really just have to wait and see. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Terry. Uh, let's go, we'll get some text messages your way in just a second or two. Uh, let's go to New Prague. Bruce is on the phone uh, as, asking uh, Mary a question. Go ahead, Bruce. Thank you. Yeah, Mary, um, I know I need to uh, disinfect my tomato cages to uh, combat leaf blight. I'm wondering what's the best way to do that, and what should I use to disinfect it? So you want to make sure that all of the uh, foliage from last year's tomatoes are definitely removed because that's the, any of the disease plants' parts will have a problem. Um, the tomato cages are they're big and cumbersome, but uh, good for you in disinfecting them. It's it's kind of hard to completely do this, but it's a one. Uh, 
to one in ten solution in, with bleach. So just regular household bleach. It's one part bleach to um, nine parts water. So it's one in ten um, to water. So it's a dilute bleach solution. Um, Normally, we do that with our tools and so on. We actually put them in that bleach solution or wash them with the bleach solution. Pretty tough to do that with a cage, but you can with a rag and with gloves, of course, because of the bleach. Sure. Good idea. All right. I want to get the text message. We have so many, but Ruth in River Falls has been waiting for some time. Ruth, go ahead. You're on with Mary. Oh, good morning, Mary. Uh, I have uh, several questions for you. One is, uh, you gals talk about mulching, uh, excuse me, not mulching, composting, and I do not compost. Where would I get compost to add to the soil? Um, it, it depends on it, where you live. Many municipalities will offer compost, um, and or sometimes it's just mulch from the municipal sites. But um, if you're, you have to check with your city to see if that's something that they offer. Um, but uh, otherwise, um, it's hard to get compost. You can purchase things. Uh, they, the compost varies a lot. Would sphagnum moss work in the soil to loosen it up? Yes. Uh, sphagnum moss is um, great. I'm not sure how much you can actually buy that. But peat moss, uh, you can buy peat, and that is a great source of organic matter. All right. And then I want to plant nasturtiums in a container. But I once read that you shouldn't fertilize them because you get all leaves and not enough blossoms. And I just wondered if I could use something like the miracle Grow that has the moisture. Uh, yes, I, I would do that. Uh, nasturtiums are fairly easy to grow from seed, or you can purchase them as small plants. Uh, they like full sun conditions, and um, the regular uh, liquid fertilizer will be fine for them. Okay, very good. Uh, is it too early, Texas says, to plant annuals? Well, um, <laughs> I think that we have just crossed the line uh, where you can plant annuals. So the, the most tropical um, things like impatiens, um, begonias, uh, they do not like temperatures below 50 degrees. So that's I think we are about out of the woods now in the cities. Tomatoes, peppers, things like that. Usually we wait till it's consistently warm, so it's it, we're we're right on the cusp of this. I was looking at the uh, overnight lows this week. The lowest I've seen is forty four, forty six, forty seven. Yeah, so we should be, we should be in the cities. We're okay up north. I would say I would wait another week or ten days for okay. up north. Uh, another text. This is interesting. After the heavy rain on Wednesday. Texter says, I woke up Thursday, found my backyard had a bunch of clear jelly-like substances that looked like ice cubes laying on the grass. They're still there. Any ideas? This sounds like a hydrogel. So the hydrogels are these fine little uh, um, dry particles that when you uh, add water to them, they swell up and look like jello. They kind of look like jello in chunks. And these are great. Uh, moisturizers to use if you're planting trees, shrubs, uh, especially bare root trees or shrubs this time of year, because this is a source of moisture. 
Um, so I'm not sure how that hydrogel yeah. ended up on your grass. It may have been mixed in with something else, and it goes down as a dry powder that um, unless you know what it is, you, you actually wouldn't see it very much, but now you'll see it. It'll take a while for this to go away, but it's certainly not harmful at all. It's just a water-holding um, mechanism, and, um, yeah, it, it will take a few weeks, but it'll go away. So it's not going to hurt your lawn? No, it okay. won't hurt your lawn. Right. No. Let's go back to the phones. Arlen's calling from Glenwood, I believe. Uh, Arlen, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a two plum trees and an apple tree that I planted about 10, 15 years ago just from a twig. They're about 10 feet tall now, and they've never uh, blossomed. But they're not in the sun, and I was wondering when I could, if I could possibly dig them up and transplant them into the sun somewhere. So sun is a limiting factor, right, with um, production of flowers and certainly fruit with our fruit trees. The sun's the first criteria for uh, success. So I think that you're probably right, Harlan. That's why you're not seeing many flowers um, these plants are pretty big, uh, and so this is uh, quite a bit to dig them up and get enough of that root system. Um, I guess, you know, at this point, maybe it's worth a try because you're not getting anything now. But uh, you, you, uh, you'll you need to get as much of that root system as possible, um, so much so that for me, that'd be tough to carry. That'd be tough to move around uh, because you want as big a uh, root system as possible, something beyond the size of a bushel basket, which is uh, my limit for what I can carry. But maybe you can get some friends, uh, put a tarp out there, try to get that root system onto a tarp, and then move it with a tarp. Texter wants to know, Mary, is the only way to get rid of quack grass using a product like Roundup? Uh, yes, or um, constantly cutting it, pulling it, cutting it, pulling mm. it, cutting it, pulling it. So uh, this is this is a case where Roundup is uh, a great aid to us, where we have horrific weeds like quackgrass. So this time of year, quackgrass is up and growing before many other things are. Sometimes you can see it ahead of everything else, and it is a good time to treat it right now, even selectively treating it with just a few uh, application to a few uh, uh, small places will help quite a bit. So other than uh, just being very vigilant, always pulling it up, digging it out, uh, glyphosate is the next choice. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Eileen's calling from Nicollet, I do believe. Eileen, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Just wondering if it's too late to trim my raspberries, and if it isn't, how much I can trim them. Thank you. Yes, you can still prune your raspberries. So cutting out any canes that were uh, bearing canes from last year, you can cut those completely down. Uh, you will see those. Those are often more dead-looking. Uh, and then depending on what kind of raspberry you have, some of the newer canes that are going to fruit, if they're long and leggy, you can cut those back by a third. Okay. You know what, Mary? We need to take a quick break. But we have more show to come, so callers and texters, hang on. 
Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO, uh, 8 o'clock hour every Saturday. Nice of you to join us today. Mary Myers helping you out today from the University of Minnesota. Let's get that website in again, Mary. Yes, extension.umn.edu. Search for Yard and Garden or backslash YG News. So two ways to find our uh, Yard and Garden News on the extension.umn.edu website. Excellent. All right, we have a lot of texts I want to get to, but John in Stillwater has been calling in, has called in. John, what's your question for Mary? Yes, good morning. Uh, my question is uh, seeding grass or laying down sod. Is it still too early to start that, or should I wait, go, wait a week to 10 days before I do that, before it gets warmer? Uh, no, I think you can do that now. Um Yes, I, I I would do that because the soil is going to warm up quickly now. Uh, the cool rain did not help last week, but I, I would go ahead and do that. We will see those. There's there's actually a link on our website. Uh, I was just looking at it uh, two days ago. It actually shows the soil temperature conditions. And uh, you can see all the way through Iowa, crabgrass was uh, beginning to germinate. It was in the germination stage down there, not quite just creeping up to southern Minnesota. But that will come up quite quickly now. And uh, that crabgrass germination is the same temperature for seed germination. So it's it's okay to start doing that and uh, just you just do one or the other. Control the crabgrass or plant new seed. Okay, very good. Uh, Let's get some text messages answered here. Here's one. We will be cutting down a large magnolia that has unfortunately developed scale. Any concern or need to wait before planting another tree in a nearby spot? We're thinking of switching to a Japanese lilac. Yes, uh, I'm I'm practically in the exact same boat you are Mm. because I have a large magnolia that has uh, just gotten scale so badly, even with treatment. It's um, I feel like it's an uphill battle. But the magnolia scale is extremely specific to just magnolias and just certain species of magnolias. So the Japanese tree lilac is a good choice. It's a totally uh, different uh, species, genera even. So that will be fine. You don't have to worry about that. Hopefully the scale will die off and uh, be gone. Okay. Uh, Texture says, hi, thank you so much for the show. Uh, let's see, where's the question? Oh, uh, I have a, a four by four raised flower bed that I would like to make into a butterfly garden with my daycare kiddos. I know milkweed attracts them. Is there an, any other plants that I could use as well? Yes, there are many other plants. So uh, a lot of our wildflowers, like the pink cone, cone flower, liatris, many of the sunflowers in the sunflower family, the annual sunflowers and perennial plants. There are just so many different things that you can plant for butterflies. We have a lot of information on this on the website. Julie Weisenhorn has done a lot of tracking on the number of insects with different zinnias, etc. So I'd go to um, our website. There's also a lot of information up in the Bee Lab at the University of Minnesota. But, um, yeah, good for you. So I'd look on extension.umn.edu. Uh, backslash YG News or search for Yard and Garden and Butterfly Flowers. Great. Did I hear correctly, Texter says, that now is a good time to put down a pre-emergent crabgrass preventer? Yes, this is the time to do that. 
this pre-emergent crabgrass preventer is pre-emerge. It's before the crabgrass germinates. It makes a tiny, uh, not tiny, but it makes a film over the top of the soil that as the seedlings emerge, they they are um, killed by that uh, chemical film. And it has to go down before the seed starts to germinate. So normally we talk about this when the forsythia uh, is falling and finished uh, blooming. And uh, so, yeah, I would do that right now. We have a window of about uh, 10 days. Uh, it really depends on the weather. But we have a window right now and perfect timing for pre-emergent crabgrass control. But you cannot do seeding with this because it will kill your grass seed as That's well. That's right. All right. Is it too late? Texas says to fertilize variegated iris. There are several inches. They are several inches tall. And uh, what do I uh, use? Uh, no, it's not too late to fertilize variegated iris. They're not as uh, vigorous and hardy as the the normal uh, green iris. Um, you can use a um, fertilizer that has all three numbers on it. Any uh, flower or shrub food. Uh, you probably don't need the middle number, which is phosphorus. And here's when we talk about soil tests and what does your soil really need. Iris, um, usually they're pretty tough and will bloom with minimal fertilizer as long as they have full sun. So you might consider getting a soil test as well. How do, how do you go about getting a soil test? There uh, is plenty of information on how to do a soil test, how to collect the soil uh, in several different places in your property and mail it. And then the information is on the website. And we just have a new link to that as well. Uh, but extension.umn.edu, you can search for soil garden soil test and the information will come up. I think it's $17 now is what it costs for a soil test, but that will tell you the pH, the organic matter, the uh, phosphorus and potassium levels that you currently have and make a specific, a unique recommendation for your soil. Okay. Texter wants to know when should apple trees be sprayed and with what and how often? So that's now, right, as the uh, foliage starts to come out and most of the sprays are preventative and uh, the timing is often every 10 days or so. There's a lot of chemicals to be using on food that we're going to be eating. So there are alternative ways to control pests, uh, cleaning up the debris from last year around your fruit trees, uh, bagging some of the apples, putting traps out that will attract insects so that they won't go to your apples. Lots of information on this, uh, extension.umn.edu. I would uh, put in their home orchard or home apple sprays. Uh, this is a rigor. Apples take a lot of care. They're great uh, joy to get uh, the apples, but they're probably one of the hardest uh, things to uh, manage in a home garden, especially without any chemicals. Mm. They're they're really tough. I have one bearing Zestar apple tree right now, and I have not sprayed this tree. And my husband looks at these apples and say, really? This is it? <laughs> and yet I say, okay, we're cutting out the bad parts. We're eating the rest. And, and you know, so it's kind of a trade-off here. Yeah. It's a trade-off. Yep. All right. Let's see. We have time for another one or two. Yes. I'd like to know if you can give me any tips on taking care of dog spots uh, from my female dogs in my lawn. What's what's the process of, of getting those? Yeah. You, you so break you it get, up? And... 
Yeah, you. there are a number of things. I, I think the smartest thing is really train your dog to go in a certain area, and especially if it can be on a mulch and not a live plant of grass, that's good. Um, diluting it right after they go is uh, a lot of water will help to dilute it down. So it's it's difficult. Uh, one area of the grass, uh, a mulched area, training to do like that. But, you know, this is it's vigilance uh, to do that as well. And usually right around the area where you have a dog spot, you'll have great green grass growing because uh, there is quite a bit of nitrogen in dog urine. Okay. Well, we are just about out of time, Mary. A couple of things we want to remind our listeners. The website, the Arboretum going yes, on? Yes, the website, extension.umn.edu. Uh, search for Yard and Garden or backslash YG News. Um, the Arboretum is just beautiful this time of year. The auxiliary plant sale is going on. It's up at the Red Barn Farm. Lots of native plants, different things that you can see. The tulips are just beginning to bloom. I expect the first uh, crab apples will open this week and probably peak uh, maybe next week. Excellent. We'll see you at the RBM. Mary, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks always for all the help. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Danny. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.